You're listening to Episode 9 of Fade List, a podcast devoted to the Showcase Network's supernatural series Lost Girl, now also appearing on Sci-Fi. My name is Dave, and as always, I'm with Wayne. And uh, for the listeners that uh, tuned into the last podcast, uh, it will come as no surprise that Wayne and I are not in the same room tonight because uh, we didn't agree on a lot last time. Yeah, I just I couldn't I couldn't face you anymore to discuss this show. I had to do it from the safety of my own home. That's right. So, uh, all right. Well, we kid. Well, I mean, we're not in the same room tonight, but uh, we worked out our differences. Uh, yeah, we did so, mostly because Dave was wrong and I was right. Yeah, and Wayne <laughs> speaks the truth on that one. So, uh, anyway, anything new since last time? Um, no, I you know still am bravely plowing through uh, um, supernatural, and uh, it just gets really better and better and better. Uh, you know, just a great all-around show i can't encourage you enough to uh to check it out so you know uh warehouse 13 we're gonna talk about later that was that was a treat that was pretty cool and uh you know it's just been kind of like uh, getting ready gearing up for this next episode we're really we're clicking them out at a furious pace now i hope i hope the listening audience understands how much work goes into uh, prepping for these things man because it's just like it takes up some time yeah i know and uh you know, I'll tell you, I need to retire so I can spend more time to this. But uh, the, the one thing that we, I, th- I think we uh, got a little confused, uh, I think Wayne and I were confused, and, because what we were talking about is obviously wanting to be up to speed for season three. And, you know, I was under the impression what Wayne and I were going to do was each of our episodes that we would broadcast, we'd actually cover two episodes. What Wayne thought was when we got together, we were just going to record two shows at the same time and release them one at a time. And that's the way we're going to go. Right. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, I, you know, I, I know we talked about, it, and we felt that you're just like, we're kind of like getting short shrift to uh, some of these shows that, you know, I mean, we yeah. sit there and lately we've been talking from us 90 minutes about them and just to, uh, don't really give them 20 minutes. Yeah. I just felt like, and you felt, I just, well, it, it just realistically, it would never happen because we would sit there and, I mean, it's basically what would happen anyway, because we'd sit there and yammer on for an hour and a half over one show anyway, and then we'd be like, oh, well, I guess we should talk about that second show then, huh? <laughs> so it's the same yeah. amount of prep and everything, you know? Yeah, so that's what we're going to do. Um, anyway, uh, you got any news tonight? News, 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 news. Um, not really. Most okay. actually, the the stuff I like kind of researched on as far as this show goes uh, is dealing with uh, the the cast and writers of everything of of this show and of Warehouse Thirteen. So I okay, went to cool. I was going to go into BBC America to see if they had announced one Doctor Who was going to premiere uh, in the U.S., um, but uh, I forgot. So. Well, the one thing I've got, uh, and, and again, this, uh, I'll tell you, it seems to be like I'm uh, uh, stalking Kristen Stewart. Uh, but anyway, Snow White and uh, The Huntsman, which, uh, you know, obviously has done pretty well, but they've come out, and I don't know if you saw this or not, Wayne, but there is going to be a sequel. It's just that she's not going to be in it, apparently. No, I mean, that, I didn't see it, but that, that seems unusual. Yeah. Now, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's it, looking at the trailers and I understand that trailers can be deceiving, but it does look like it's a pretty cool uh, rendition of Snow White. And, and I definitely want to see it at some point. I haven't seen it yet, 
But well, you're, you're uh, a big Kristen Stewart fan too, right? Well, so. I am, but you know, e- even there, you know, just like with Olivia Munn, if uh, you know, even she's not enough to make me sit through that dreadful series she was in. <laughs> but uh, I guess what they're going to do is uh, focus on the Huntsman, and the reason is basically economic. That uh, the the film cost 170 million to make. And so far, they've made back, I think, $380 million. So, you know, they're, they're roughly around a $200 million profit. Well, apparently, that's a little bit below what the studio was expecting, believe it or not. I guess we're in a day and age when a $200 million profit's not enough. Wow. That's, so That's just uh, crazy. Yeah. So anyway, uh, basically, not having her in it, you know, cuts their costs because she draws a pretty hefty salary. But it's also, apparently, she draws... Five uh, percent of the back end, which means after they've recouped their costs, she gets five percent of all the profits after that. Which you know that's a lot of money. So by not having her in it, yeah. now the other thing is, I guess if she's not in it, that means that uh, the guy that's the director can stay. Uh, was there some kind of conflict with the director? Well, you know, his wife, uh, I'm sure, was oh, not. Oh, that was the guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, all comes together. Uh, well, and also the, uh, the the huntsman is the Thor. He, he's, he play, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. He plays and he's Thor. somebody's boyfriend that... that uh, well, his brother... Is it Miley Cyrus? His, his brother know. is dating Miley Cyrus. And I know... I'm potentially going to lose man points for knowing that. But the only reason I know that is because I get uh, Men's Health Magazine, and he was on the cover this pa- of the past issue, and he talked about how he's dating Miley Cyrus. And as I had mentioned in previous episodes, that is pertinent to my life because I have two daughters that are pretty big. Uh, uh, Montana playing the fans. daughter card again. All yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anything that pertains to Miley Cyrus, I can explain away by just simply saying I have daughters. So, all right. So, but that's really the only news item I have. And, and, you know, to be honest, that, that, that is a movie that I do want to see the first one, uh, because it, it really looks like a dark version of, uh, you know, the snow white. Right. And the, you're right. The trailers, uh, I did see the trailer. I can't remember I, what movie I saw, but I saw the trailer for that movie and it did look cool. I mean, it did pique my interest. I mean, not enough that I actually went out to watch the movie, but uh, I remember thinking that it was a pretty good looking trailer. It looked like it might be a good movie. So, so, all right. Anyway, in our weekly homage to Ronald D. Moore, tonight's uh, beverage of choice on my end is Duclavy's Venom Pale Ale. And you got to like a beer that has Bite Me on the cover. You do. I'm awash in jealousy. <laughs> but I, you know, I like my Miller Lite, which is what I'm rocking tonight. So, All right. Made in the USA. Good I'm old sure. union beer. Yep. All right. So uh, I guess it's time to get into the episode for the evening. And yeah. I'll tell you, Wayne. Oh, you know, you know, I was just dying for this episode to come up. You know it. Ah, it was awesome. Uh, you know, I forgot how good it was and, and uh, you know, watched it, you know, I got to watch it a, a second time earlier this evening. And yeah, I mean, it is, it, it's just awesome. Yeah. And you know what I found out? I don't know if you knew this. This episode was originally supposed to be the pilot. I think I did read that somewhere. And I, yeah. and Sorry. well, hope, hopefully what happened was they realized and I have this in my notes, and I this falls under uh, Dave's superficial details. But one of the things I kept asking myself is, what's up with the hair? Uh, the long blonde curls on Kenzie and the side part 
on Bo. Yeah, and it, her face was like I don't know if they they did different makeup or less makeup. But her face looked noticeably different than it yeah. has in the previous seven, and that's it's not. I mean, it's not bad. It's just different. I mean, she's still, just not as good. Still very attractive. Yes. So, uh, but you know, one thing that I, I found interesting, this, this is really the first time that we really don't have, unless I missed it, uh, a true procedural, right? Um, there, a mini kind of procedural, I would say, because of, uh, Bo trying to find Vex, but there's no case to solve. Yeah. I mean, and, and like you said, mini, I mean, I guess the, the, you know, uh, Luann Heidegger, who's on death row, and, and Bo trying to save her. You know, so we've got a couple of these underlying cases, you know, you know, her trying to obtain, like, information about her mom, like you said, through Vex. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, no troop. And, and, and that's good because, you know, I, I think to stay fresh, if it's just the case of the week, I mean, it gets old. Yeah, and I think we talked about this last week and this week. Certainly, they're becoming – more like character driven rather than plot driven, you know, which is what you get with a police procedural. It's all plot, you know, it's all this part, then this happens and this happens and everything. And when you have like what we've seen the last actually couple weeks now is really the episodes are starting to focus in on developing the characters and their relationships with one another and, and going from there. And I think that, that you're right. That's, I, I like that better. I think really character is, is, as I've said before on this show, that's really what to me is going to make or break a show. And also it's, you know, it, here we see here a show finding its voice. And we talked about this before as well, that, you know, you can't define a show by its pilot or even it's probably its first five or six episodes. You know, it takes a good show is, is kind of like a fine wine, I guess. It's going to age, it's going to develop. And, uh, and I think we're really seeing uh, the, the writing and the acting here is really starting to kind of dig in as, as this show finds its voice. Well, and the interesting thing, like you said, um, that this was the episode, I guess, that they filmed first and that they, I guess, they sold the show, you know, basically with this episode. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 you know, I mean, the, the actual pilot, I mean, you know, really was a pilot because they, you know, introduced Bo and, and all of that. But, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it's almost like uh, sometimes they can, things can seem out of sync, you know, like that one episode in Fringe. Where uh, it's in in season two, where yeah, the one know, that they didn't show, and then they showed right where Charlie's you know yeah, alive, alive. And, and you're watching right, like, like what the hell? <laughs> like Charlie's been dead for like ten episodes, ten episodes now. How is he? Like there's no explanation. Everyone seems to be acting very normal that he's back alive. <laughs> yep, and uh, it just turned out that they just, they had filmed it for season one and didn't use it for whatever reason. And uh, eh, well, we'll throw it into season two. Yeah, just so. chuck it in there a week. Ah, we don't have an episode this week. Let's just throw this one in there. Yeah, but you know, I, I, it's one of the focuses was this this whole Lou Ann Heidegger uh, story. Uh, you know, the woman that's on death row that Bo you know wants to get information about her mother from her. And, you know, I mean, it's interesting because we learned the reason she's on death row is because she broke the R word. Right. And, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, she, she, well, I don't know if it's the R word you're thinking, but she revealed like the fae to the humans. I don't know if that's the right. R word you're Well, thinking. I mean, you know, you, you, you talked, uh, I guess we haven't talked uh, in a couple episodes, but, uh, you know, so many of these episodes are about the rules. Oh, the and, rules, rules, rules. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. And this one's a big, big, big on rules. Right. And even though she apparently, you know, according to her, didn't reveal who she was, 
to her family, which seems kind of bizarre, but, uh, you know, that uh, she was, you know, you know, taken down by the dark fae for just basically leaving the clan and, you know, made an example of that, uh, you know, you don't do this. Yeah. And we see, and we've talked about this before, is like the dark fae really looks like the run, like the mob, you know, and if you step out of line, don't do what you're told, you get, you get punished and severely. Um, and that's just, and all the other dark fair, okay, Myers, like, that's just the way we do things. You know, that's the way it is. It's, you know, yeah, it, it sucks. You know, people don't seem like they're happy about it, but Hey, you know, that's, she knew the rules. She broke them. Bam. That's what happens. Yeah. And we see a lot in this episode about the consequences of not following the rules. And, and again, this is not the first time this has come up. So, uh, let, you know, why don't we just start with the opening scene? I mean, you know, we obviously we, you know, if you've been listening to our podcast, we don't necessarily go in order, but I, I think usually we we start with the opening scene, and I thought it was awesome. You know, the way it was filmed. You see this shadowy figure, uh, who we, you know, we pretty much figure it's Bo, and you see the blood dripping down the hallway. She's staggering, and then you get a look at her face, you know, and she's had the crap beat yeah, out of her. Yeah, she's she's all messy. But juxtaposed, good though. Well, yeah, juxtaposed to uh, Dyson, Dyson hitting beating the, the hitting crap the out of his punching bag. Yeah, and uh, well, you know, one of the- well, that kind of shows like the uh, you know that that uh, his frustration that's mounting, and we've seen pretty much since the pilot. You know, uh, as he's trying to deal with their relationship and and the number of directions he be, he's being pulled um that really comes out and you know he's very animalistic in many ways too uh and uh you know that punching bag was really great for that of course he is working out in jeans yeah jeans what's up with that that's well at least he didn't have a vest on you know (laughs) yeah well he trades in the purple vest for a a pair of workout jeans i mean that's just that's not comfortable that's just you know like how you can't you don't get a full range of movement and uh it's just uh, Right now, one one thing then, you know, I'm not sure in the big picture, uh, it's all that important, but you know, we don't know was she beaten up by humans or was she beaten up by Faye? Yeah, because um, yeah, she doesn't really tell, does she? Where what happened? No, and uh, you know, I, I don't think we've seen her. I mean, we've seen her in fights where she took a few licks here and there, but uh, you know, this is by far the worst uh, that that we've seen her look. Which is kudos to the to the makeup department. Right, yeah, they did a yeah, fantastic job there for sure. But, uh, well, but, anyway. But also, it's you know, how the whole thing of like, this isn't a major plot point, you know? It's like she comes in, she's a, a complete mess, um, and that that doesn't really lead into anything for the overall story arc, though it does lead into a fairly intense sex scene that I'm pretty sure sci-fi edited out. Yeah, I had that in my notes. By far the raciest of uh, actually, they had two pretty racy ones in this episode. Two of them, yes. Yeah, um, this is, I, sci-fi might not have shown this episode at all, or if they did, it was probably like fifteen minutes long. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think Wayne and I have said before that we're uh, you know we're we're viewing the Canadian. We are privy episodes. to the Canadian versions, and uh, yeah, I haven't uh, actually. I've started TiVoing the. Uh, you know the ones on sci-fi because now to be honest uh uh my wife started uh, showing a little bit of interest in the show so you know we'll see how that goes but uh 
um, you know, I mean, but it, it does though impact the plot in that you know we're back to you know the, the Bo's refusal to join a side you know is you know part of what's causing a lot of her pain and a lot of her problems and you know that that's part of what Dyson's you know I think agonizing over with her right and we see that you know her we, we know we've seen that she there are advantages to her underlying status and one of them is she can move between both worlds pretty much equally. Um, she doesn't necessarily have to follow the rules per se, um, though she does have to stay within. I mean, the big rules she has to follow, you know, but uh, she has, there's some leeway with her as far as following the rules. And, you know, so far it seemed like, well, it's pretty much just upsides to her being unaligned. And in this episode, we see there are some pretty significant uh, downsides to her unaligned status. And, and Dyson really is worried about her. And as we saw last episode, especially with her relationship with Lauren and the Ash. And, and again, that comes up in this episode that that is a potentially poisonous type relationship. Yeah. Because she gets no protection from anybody. Right. You know, wow. And, and that she has all these people who want to, you know, they who, want to protect her. Yeah. Yeah, just, just, and they, they want to know what's what she's up to, and also, but re, also people who might kill her. I mean, even the Ash again talks about. Well, I don't want them to kill her yet. You know, yeah. we might need to find out some more about her. Well, with the, the you know, we've got one of the you know the hottest sex scenes in the in the whole series. So the next morning, you know, they get up, and uh, you know, Dyson's all you know touchy feely. You know, tell me about it, and then you know. Uh, and then as soon as Bo mentions that Lauren's been helping her learn how to heal, well, she's just leading you on. Yeah. She's never going to love you. I know. That's kind of like I, that That line I thought was very undysonish. Well, I, I agree. But, you know, I mean, it, 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 okay, so why would he say it? Okay, well, she's never going to love you like, like I would. Yeah. It just—I mean—it seems like a teenage, some of the teenage girl would say, and and he's—he's he's not. He's too world weary. He's too experienced, I think. To, to I, I think I think just the writers kind of like. I mean, I know what they're trying to do here. I mean, they're trying to show Dyson has a sensitive side and everything, but um, yeah, I just don't think it, it, he would really say something like that. But uh, well, well, the other thing, and we do see that, you know, I mean, look, he, they are a lot alike and, and that we've seen little inklings of this uh, where, you know, yes, he's aligned, but, uh, you know, he doesn't necessarily like to play by the rules. He, you know, he skirts the rules whenever possible. Yeah, true. And uh, yeah, yeah and, and as we said, though he's aligned, he doesn't, he doesn't care for the ash one bit. And that's you know why he doesn't like Lauren because Lauren's so tight with the Ash and and so he he, he is yeah nominally and he, he, I can't remember what he said something in this episode where he's basically like there's you know I tried it your way Bo and it you know to, he didn't say that but you know like Bo's like oh why don't you try to be free whatever he's like you know I tried it and you know didn't work out so right so you you know you fight the battles you can win I think is the message that a lot of them are trying to get across to her. So, uh, in well, terms also, of I thought after you said that, I thought it was significant of Bo's response to that when she said, who said anything about love, you know? So yeah. it's like, Whoa, you know, Hey, but you know, this whole time you're talking about us being emotionally detached, you know, you know, love's not part of the equation. So don't even bring it up, buddy. Yep. 
So, I, I mean, in terms of the overarching themes for the issue, you know, or for the episode, you know, we've again got Bo's uh, search for self again, you know, literally by continuing the search for her mother. Um, and then uh, consequences of remaining uncommitted in both the Fey world and in personal relationships. Um, now, you probably didn't look at our Twitter page, right, today? Not today, no. Because I did, I did tweet one thing. Uh, because who would have thought, and, and again, maybe I'm um, going too far with this one, but who would have thought that we'd uh, be able to talk about German existential philosophers during a Lost Girl podcast? Yeah, they, they sneak him in there, you know. Okay, so, uh, right, referring to Luann yeah, Heidegger. Heidegger. Right. Okay, did you look him up at all? I mean, uh, I, that I, one I didn't. Okay, I mean, I remembered him, you know, I remembered the name from uh, uh, from graduate school and all that. So, German existential philosopher who wrote about the state of being. And uh, uh, he was criticized, or he criticized a lot of the traditional ways of examining man's existence. So, you know, I mean, to a certain extent, you know, she's asking, like, who am I? And, you know, the same questions that a lot of these philosophers are asking. Uh, but the other th- interesting thing about Heidegger was that, uh, you know, during World War II, actually in 33, when Hitler became chancellor, uh, he was named president of one of the universities and he joined the Nazi party. Mm. And, you know, know, later in life, uh, you know, he, he, you know, related to uh, some friends that, you know, it was one of the stupidest decisions he ever made. But, you know, you you just wonder because, you know, writers and and typically don't pick names just randomly, you know, so you wonder, okay, here's a guy that, okay, on the one hand, he's, you know, uh, investigating and exploring, you know, what it means to be human. And then on the other hand, he's somebody that aligned himself with the wrong side. Yeah. And there, and there certainly and, were consequences. Yeah, exactly. There's consequences for it and there's consequences for not aligning. You know, um, there, there were, you talk about what happened in, uh, in Nazi Germany I and mean, there were, it, it was regular people. You know, it wasn't you know, like the, the Nazis did it because there were regular people that they intimidate like people were scared you know like you, you there weren't there wasn't a lot of resistance to it i mean there was like the uh the shoals who, who the white rose stood up to him but for the most part there wasn't a lot of resistance because people were scared of them you know like they had all the power and guns and everything and uh so a lot of times when people criticize and say well if i were there i would have i would have let them do this i would and well would you have though would you have you know stood up to the, these guys the bullies with guns yeah. um you know now, of course, on the other hand, uh, not that she's listening to our podcast, but uh, Michelle Lavretta, who wrote this episode, is probably sitting there shaking her head and rolling her eyes. It's like, what the hell are you two guys talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I had no intention of that. <laughs> I just thought uh, it was a cool name. I just, yeah. I found it. I was thumbing through a book. I found it. I was like, all right, that sounds good. So, all right. Um, you know, actually, I don't think we mentioned the name of this episode, which is appropriately vexed vexed yeah and this is episode eight of season one um you know in going through you know because we've kind of uh you know approached these episodes or these podcasts uh kind of character by character and we didn't talk much about kenzie last week at all and 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 you know while she was in a lot of scenes this week and she had some uh some pretty good lines uh as always as always there's, uh, there's definitely something going on between her and one of the writers 
Right. But, uh, you know, early on, um, you know, and again, she makes a lot of good points as, as usual. And she tells Bo, it's time to pick a team, Dyson or Lauren. But teams are stupid. Teams are right. Teams are dumb. You know, it's all again. It's like the teenage girls talking to each other. But, but you know, the points are are valid. And uh, you know, then the uh, you know the other scene that I thought was was again, you know, kind of really speaks to who Kenzie is when the when the demon and uh, I wrote it down. What uh, you, you you've been keeping up on the oh, different wait, wait, wait. demons? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, uh, um... yeah, I've got it in here somewhere. Well, anyway, while you're looking that up, uh, you know, that, that demon comes in and tries to drown Bo in the tub and yeah. Kenzie's down, uh, uh, trying to kill what's what she says, zombie hookers, uh, zombie or something. hookers. <laughs> uh, but you know, as soon as she sees, and you know, first thing she sees is kind of like the dust from the plaster, which is usually a sign that Bo's upstairs having sex with somebody right. and she sees that demon go upstairs like but but she just sees her from behind and it's dressed as a woman right yeah she kind of uh well i don't think she ever really sees it. i think she's she's her attention is like on the video game we see the uh, okay the the assassin coming up but uh kenzie pretty much, uh like is doesn't really see it. and and as we saw the she moves fast why can't i find this um right you know, and and so by the time Kenzie like kind of like turns around, she's uh, right. But she sees that gone. dust coming from the ceiling, which right. is usually that you know. So she grabs her samurai sword, <laughs> and 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 again, I mean, it, it's just the fact that she's there that then gives Bo you know the chance to you know overcome. Uh, and that was pretty cool scene uh, where she. Rams her with the pole and then electrocutes her, and Kenzie gets another prime line in there. I can't, I can't remember what that one was. Smells like fried bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know. All right. Anyway, I mean, you know, really, I mean, it's no surprise that Bo is the focus of, you know, virtually every episode. But it just seemed like, you know, in, in this week's episode, she was, you know, far and away the focal point and uh you know early on we see uh, we finally meet a vampire right have we seen a vampire before i don't know if, if we had before okay but uh okay. you know now he Morag was a uh, right right, right was the assassin the so yeah. uh, so they go to meet the uh, vampire and in return for 20 pints of blood <laughs> he's supposed to provide some information that she's going to want and i'm sure she assumes it's about her mother and and it's the newspaper article about Luann uh, Heidegger and you know once you know, he gives uh you know gives her that vague assistance then she's kind of you know on a roll and and a quest to find out what she can yeah, and uh, you know, obviously, something uh, kind of a theme that's going to pop up there is that he's not quite dead, right? Yeah, uh, they come in, he's uh, hanging, and like they think he's dead, and all of a sudden, oh no, he's not dead. Oh, well, okay, look at that. Right. Well, I guess what he said was he must have uh, conned somebody else, and you know, probably humans, and they hung him, thinking they were going to kill him, and you know. Of course, not so not so easy. So anyway, they uh, they suck you, touch their way into the prison. Yes. To uh, which you, you know, knew to, was coming, you know, like the main. Which like, you knew was on coming. This list, it's just like just like the Jedi, you know, 
I'm on the list. Oh, yeah, you're on the list. Right. Yeah, Kenzie's kinda, got, which I like it. It's a very Jedi type uh, right. power she has. And Kenzie's got her fake IDs. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, again, which shows you uh, Kenzie's, you know, ability to orchestrate things like this you know now that. now how did Bo immediately know that Luann was Faye I mean did I miss something no I I don't I don't know it's not clear because well Luann knows who like she is. well she doesn't at first right right you know because she says you know well you know I don't even know who you are and, you know, then Bo tells the thing about, you know, well, you know, I was raised by humans. And then she, like, looks startled. It's like, oh, you're the foundling. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Know. You're the foundling. Like, the, the foundling. Like, wait, what does that mean? Like, right. So, and, you know, we've heard about you even in here. Yeah. So. Um, Which is what know. we've kind of been getting glimpses of this whole season is that there's something about Bo that she's part of something bigger than herself that she is completely unaware of. And here's more evidence to that. Yeah. Um, well, she goes back to Dyson, you know, for, uh, you know, for more police information. And, and of course he tells her, well, this is the last favor, you know? Okay. Yeah. Right. Where'd we hear that before? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, to someone who believes that Dyson, we're not buying it. Right. And, you know, you know, it's, it's funny because we've talked about this before as, as Kenzie and Bo are going over the files and, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, I think it's Bo that notices there are no defensive wounds and, uh, has Kenzie, Ken, she's looking up, I guess she's hacked into some database somewhere, or, uh, whatever, but, uh, you know, she puts two and two together and, and kind of determines that, you know, Luann, you know, while she may have literally committed these killings, you know, it really wasn't her. Yeah, which, I mean, I just thought it was strange how she was able to make that connection. Right. You know, that she sees, um, you know, Siegfried, the very gruesome uh, death that uh, he he received at Vex's hands. Um, well, you know, again, technically his own hands, but, you know, Vex made him do it. And, and all of a sudden she's like, oh, well... Clearly, the guy who did this is also the guy that uh, made Luann kill her kids. And I'm not, I never, I, did I miss something or, or was that just, you know, we just kind of take that one on faith that like, oh, well, you know, she's, you know, that she's able to make that uh, logical leap from one to the other. Yeah, I think we're, well, I don't know. But uh, is, <laughs> so, is, is, is Kenzie eating while she's looking at those photos? I can't remember. It was something that, uh, you know, seem very matter of fact that she's looking at uh, you know his little stump of a hand there yeah. but uh, but so you know okay so she's she's put two and two together that you know uh, you know so she goes to the ash I gotta tell you is there any character in any show that's cooler than the ash there there is not and I, I actually wrote in my notes is like the ash is just too cool man it's just like he is. He he just. I, I said this before. That guy is just. He's just as cool as can be, and he's just like. Just like. I mean, I'm not sure what's and the, and the clothes and the bearing and everything, man. It's just like a, a dude. Like you just want to be at that bar. He's like, hey, dude, can I hang out with you and just you know catch some of your shrapnel? You know, yeah, I mean, I I don't know what's cooler. The his, his you know his, his clothes, his voice, his house. Uh, 
you know, geez, no wonder Lauren hangs out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, you know, and then I go and I, I, I look, I can't remember what the actor's name is. You know, he's another Canadian actor. And, and this guy, is, I mean, he's got steady work and everything, but, you know, he's never been in anything big. And you're just like, man, like this, this, this guy could be so many parts where he just does the same thing, just comes on screen and, and is cool. Right. And uh, but uh, I don't know. Maybe he's just not finding that niche yet. Maybe well, I should you know, be this dude's agent. Yeah. Now you know we talked a, a little bit ago about you know Dyson, the similarities between Dyson and Bo, and, and you know that that you know he, you know he he tried being unaligned uh, or, or you know I guess the lone wolf, um, no pun intended, um, and that didn't work. But wolf pack of one. But I mean it, it, it's like. You know, Bo goes in to see the ash and, and, you know, Lauren's like, you know, now be cool, be cool. It's like, I mean, has she never heard of the phrase, you get more bees with honey? Uh, I mean, you know, she just comes charging in, basically demanding, and, and he tries to explain very calmly in that voice of his that, you know, this is bigger than all of us, you know, and that uh, she is Faye being executed in the human courts you know, you got to let it lie. It's too dangerous to intervene. And how can you not see that logically? Yeah. And I mean, well, well, you know, what we see again uh, a number of times, which we've seen throughout the series so far, is really Bo just, you know, kind of raging against the machine, you know, like she just is rebelling against. That'd be a good name for a band, by the way. Yeah, that would be a good name for a band. They should, someone should use that name and make a a band out of it. Uh, But, uh, um, yeah, but she's just, you know, she's completely, again, I think it it comes from the fact that she's been on her own for so long and has been completely self-reliant for so long uh, that uh, following rules is not, not part of her real, really her DNA, I guess, you know, like she's just, you know, other people just can't tell her what to do, basically. Even well, right, Kenzie, but, but even her friends can't tell her what to do. And we see that with Dyson, you know, like, so she just, but you're right. She should be more political, right? She should be more, uh, you know, savvy with the way she deals with the power brokers on each side. That's the only way she's going to be able to maintain this unaligned status by spitting in everyone's faces. It's not going to, you know, Meyer says to her, you're, you're, you're pissing off too many people, you know? Right. And I mean, she's, you know, I mean, she lived in the human world for 18 years. I mean, you know, before she left home, uh, I mean, she went to high school. Um, you know, again, she's, she's, she should have had some experience trying to get along with people. Uh, um, oh, you know, one other thing we got our first, unless I missed something, we got our first characters last name or, or both names from last week, right? We now know Lauren's last name. Lewis. Yeah, last Lu- week. They, they called her Dr. Lewis, right? Right. Well, nobody else has a second name? <laughs> right. Well, they all got names like Vex and Bo and Dyson, you know, like... Well, uh, I assume Dyson's his last name. What's his first name? I mean, what I do think, they put on his paycheck? He's like Prince. He's just like Dyson. Well, what that, that I mean, what do they put on his paycheck? At the just, Dyson. Yeah, okay, just, just Dyson. Just Dyson. Just um, Dyson. You know, it probably it's awkward at first. You know, it's like kind of like when you got a weird name, the first people get used to it are, are like, oh, that's strange. But, you know, they get used to it. So, you know, like the when he went to uh, HR when he was a rookie cop and they said, okay, what's your name? Dyson. Okay, what's your first name? No, it's just, just Dyson. You know, they thought it was weird, but, you know, then they move on. All right, so she, you know, she leaves uh, the ash, and uh, obviously not pleased. Uh, she, you know, and, and we've mentioned this, you know, that that her friends are afraid for her, 
and Dyson tells her the reason you're in danger and the hit's been placed on you and it, and it wasn't a sanctioned hit, right? Because which I thought was pretty, pretty interesting. He said, and if it was a sanctioned hit, they would have sent a whole team out to get you. Yeah. Not just one. Uh, but uh, which makes yeah. her feel so much better. I know to, to know uh, at least it's, it's it's this is off the books. This assassination attempt, right? And it's because you don't have a clan. And then she responds with, you know, just I mean, really, just a, a really great line where she says, "So I have to be owned to be free." Yeah, which is ironic, but you know, that's and he says, says pretty much basically, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's how it works. So. Well, as always, she goes to Trick, and he uh, pulls out Google Fay and uh, <laughs> explains to her that it's a morag that tried to kill her. And uh, and I thought it was interesting how he goes on, you know, that 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 little uh, thing about how all Fay feed off of humans in some regard. Right. Um, yeah, and, and then the uh, the morag feeds off of uh, rage. And, uh, you know, even Bo, you know, feeds off of, uh, you know, humans as well. So it's like, you know, don't, don't be so judgmental, Bo, that, uh, when you talk about, you know, Faye feeding off of humans. Yeah. And, and, you know, then he gives her the weapon, the Strikon or Strikon. The, the Syricon, I think. Syricon. Oh, geez. I can't is... even read my own typing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pathetic. Um, but that was one awesome weapon. Man. Well, I when mean, you get to Stargate SG1, I mean, you, 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 it's like, oh, that's, you, you know, they'll see, you'll see some things reminiscent there. But, I mean, but that was a big deal for him to give her that, right? I mean, because this can defeat, uh, I think that was his word, it, all fey. It can hurt other fey. It can other hurt fae. other yeah, fey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, that, that's, I mean, you're, you know, you're really intervening here. Uh, this is a pretty big deal, it would seem to me, that he's giving her this. Well, you know, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, he knows she's going after Vex, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, he knows that she's in pretty sincere danger here, pretty severe danger with where she's heading and that she's not going to get help from anyone else. She doesn't have, you know, the light fae, dark fae, no one who can help her, who's in the position to really help her, will help her. So I think he's just starting to increasingly feel more and more responsibility towards uh, Bo and Kenzie. And we right, saw but, that but, two episodes ago, you know? Right, but what we keep seeing that this is, you know, a pretty big deal. We learn that Vex is a darling of the Dark Fae and that, you know, she's clearly, I don't want to say out of control, That's but, you know, passion-driven. And to give her this weapon, I mean, look, if she kills Vex, I mean, it basically what we're led to believe is it's going to lead to a war. right. So well, maybe maybe he's he scrubbed the uh, the serial number from it so they can't trace <laughs> it back to him, right? <laughs> so, or he has more faith in her than uh, you know maybe she's being given credit for. Yeah, but still a very cool weapon, and I like kind of that homage to like Wolverine, you know, like it, uh, the uh, the swords jut oh, yeah. out of her knuckles and everything. It's like that is just too cool, man. Yeah, she had a line. I can't, I forget what it was though. She said something about it. Uh, yeah, I didn't write down either. I was too busy writing down how cool it is. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, how about a little bit about Dyson, who, uh, you know, so so much for uh, this is the last time I'm going to help you heal. Yeah. Well, you know, we didn't really believe it when he said it anyway, you know. So, uh, and then he gives in when she asks for information about Luann, tells her that she could stay with him, you know, 
And, uh, of course, she refuses because uh, he didn't help her. Uh, but but the one thing is, I mean, th- that again, he coming to her rescue, he you know preventing her from killing Vex, which it looked like she was pretty much ready to do. Yeah, well, she's annoyed with him not because he didn't help her with uh, Vex. He, she's annoyed with him because of he wasn't there when the Morag attacked her. Right now, you know, interesting. You know, just uh, to uh, diverge for a second. You know, I've, I've mentioned before, I'm watching season two of Fringe. And the episode I watched last night, you remember the one where the uh, the redheaded boy uh, can make, you know, he's got uh, basically he's got the same powers that Vex has, and and everybody they think he's been that he's been kidnapped by these two guys. Oh yeah, oh that was a great episode. But he's actually the one that did the kidnapping. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, geez, there you go. I mean, it's same same powers. Yeah, except uh, in the hands of a snotty, petulant little teenager. So. Yes, but uh, <laughs> much less sympathy. <laughs> So. <laughs> than a cool uh, guy in leather with a British accent, you know, like uh, yeah. So you know, so you know, uh, okay. So she doesn't kill Vex, which obviously would would lead to serious ramifications. Um, and, and you know, they, uh, Dyson tells her, "Look, they wouldn't stop until you were dead." And she responds, "I don't care." Yeah, and, and this kind of goes back to you know two episodes ago, where you know they were. Um, you know, trying to get the basilisk venom or whatever. And, uh, you know, Lauren was basically like, listen, chill out. You have to be more considerate, more deliberate here. You're too impulsive and your impulsiveness is, is going to get us captured, which is going to get Kenzie killed, you know? And so once again, Bo is just, you know, going on her, going with her gut, going with her impulse, which serves her well often, right? Because a lot of times she's saved because of that impulsiveness, but a lot of times it gets her into trouble. And she really, you're right, should have, you know, she should think this one through a little bit more carefully um, and listen to her friends. That's the thing. She's really not doing a good job in the last couple of episodes of, of listening to the people who care about her and exactly. trying to help her. Yep. Couldn't have said it better. Um, now, okay, I'm going to, again, this is going to, the next thing I'm going to say is, uh, you know, coming on the heels of my Heidegger analogy a few minutes ago, right? She says, I don't care. And he follows, I do double, double meaning here, you know, kind of like uh, hinting at a, you know, marriage vow. I do. Yeah. Oh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't think of it like that, but yeah, that, that's, that's good. Okay. Um, anything else about Dyson that we're forgetting? No, I just, uh, you know, <clears throat> you know, he comes in, as you said, and, and prevents her from, from killing Vex. And, um, you know, sometimes when you, your, your friends, it's, uh, you know, it's difficult to tell them that they're wrong. You know, like most of the time when your buddies or your friends with someone, you know, you just, you know, often say hey, that you're, you're completely wrong. You know, this, you need to chill out. And so Dyson really is going to take kind of the brunt for this one. Bo's going to be super pissed at him, but really he did her a favor, you know, and hopefully maybe in time she'll, she'll see that. Now, Lauren clearly is afraid of the ash and, and, you know, it raises some questions like, you know, how did she become his property? What kind of deal did she make with him? You know, what did she receive? You know, I, you know, I, I, I certainly wouldn't mind knowing a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, that's another big. I mean, we have a lot of mysteries uh, in this show. I mean, obviously, the biggest one is Bo not knowing who her mother is, not knowing who she is, 
not knowing really anything about her, her past or anything. Um, but now obviously there's, there's, you're right. There's some reason why Lauren is doing this. Now she has, she does say in this episode that, you know, working as a doctor with the Fae is pretty compelling. Like it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. The kind of stuff she sees going back and, and working with humans would not really work for her now. Um, but there's, you're right. There's more there because the she is definitely intimidated. Uh, and as you mentioned, when uh, Bo is going in to talk to the Ash, Lauren's like, "All right, well, yeah. she's like, yeah, you got to be make sure you do this and do that and everything." You know, like she's very anxious uh, about this meeting, and, and Bo's not. Yeah. Now, you know, the the really, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's a series of events that that. I won't say I was surprised by it, but okay, it starts where the Ash lets her know that I know you've been, you know, seeing her behind my back, basically. Yeah, the and, I, the old I know that you know type thing. Right. And but I know you're doing it, you know, for the good of the dark fae. Yeah, you can always see or the light fae, you mean. I mean the light fae. Yeah. And she's like, Oh yes, of course. Yeah, you can always see like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, that's right. So, yeah. right. so what what I need you to do is keep her out of this. Well, how can I do that? She's a succubus. I think you'll figure something out. Yeah. Right? So, and but she but, does. But what I guess surprises me is I mean, you know, so so basically Lauren pimps herself out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we think Effort. Well, I know, mean, we she, know she likes Bo. Right, right, right. So we know that there's attraction there already. So there's no question about that. We've already seen that. Uh, but, um, you know, they've both been reluctant to, to go there to try and consummate this relationship in any way. And, uh, and then you're right. I mean, Lauren comes, she's got an agenda for sure. And that's, I think that's the thing that, that, that upsets Bo the most is that she, you know, how can she trust the genuineness of the experience when it was all at the behest of the ash? Right. So, you know, so that, uh, you know, um, there's some, uh, a big wound that's going to have to heal there for sure. Yeah. You know, like when she, she says, you know, Lauren's like, were you, were you sent here? You know? And that's like really, cause it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, like, you know, Hamlet and when questioning Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, you know, it's like you were sent for, and they're, they, they try to play it off. Like, what, what are you talking about? You know, like Hamlet's yeah. annoyed with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern because he knows that the King has sent them to spy on him. So similar, you know, I, I, I'm, I just, I think the writers, I'm hoping maybe <clears throat> I'm running too much into it. I'm reading too much into this, but it seems like the fact that she said, were you sent here? Definitely reminiscent of, of Hamlet and, you know, the, the sense of betrayal that he felt. And, and the same thing here, like, you know, Bo feels completely betrayed by a person she perceived as her friend. Now she's not sure. Right. And, you know, I guess to her credit, she, uh, Lauren, you know, fesses up and admits, yes, you know, I did come because the ash sent me. So, yeah, but you know, like, here's, here's what annoys me about Lauren, you know, like, it's just, this is like last week with like, oh, well, okay, you got a big spider in your house. Well, let me call in the SWAT team so they can burn down your house with you in it, you know? And, and then afterwards she's like regrets that decision, right? Well, again, now she goes and she sleeps with a bow to, you know, kind of when her mind, I guess, is to protect her. Um, and then afterwards regrets it, you know, it's like, Lauren has got to, you know, we're talking about like picking a side. Lauren needs to pick a side, you know, like she's got to figure out whether she's going to get 
Bo's back or the Ashes, because obviously the two are in direct conflict. And, and, and Lauren, it's going to come, you know, it's coming to a head now, but I think it's, it's only, I predict it's going to only get worse uh, down the line. Yeah, but that's a pretty big, I mean, I don't disagree with you, but that's, that's a pretty big order for a human, right? I mean, you're asking her to pick between the leader of the light fae and this unaligned Faye, who clearly is one of the most powerful individuals on either side, right? Well, then you pick. You it's pick, a tough call. Yeah, but then if you're if you're afraid if you're afraid of the ash, then you you pick that and you stop leading Bo on. You know, which yeah. she's kind of leading Bo on emotionally uh, while she's you know has this kind of agenda that uh, is at the behest of the ash. So, all right. Well, why don't we talk about the. Uh, the title character Vex. Yes, I was waiting for this for so long. So uh, you know what? What? So uh, he's a member of the uh, Great Britain Fay. Yeah. Came across the pond and uh, yeah, exactly. What is he doing over here? Well, I, you know, well, he 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 just he you know obviously he he pisses people off. Like in that way, he's very similar to Bo. Um, so maybe he just annoyed the the, the British enough that they just you know, kicked him out. And so he's had to kick up roots here in Canada. Right. So, so I guess what it looks like is he's basically, you know, a hitman, right? I mean, he, you know, yeah. Or yeah, it's high up in the, again, the, just as we said, the dark Fay, they're the mob, right? So right. he is, yeah, like a hitman, an enforcer or whatever. So, um, you know, but other than that, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, he's a cool looking character, uh, cool clothes, great accent. I mean, you know, who doesn't like an English accent? Um, and, uh, you know, but, uh, not invincible, you know, because Bo certainly gets the better of him. And, uh, if she wasn't pulled off. Yeah. Well, would she have, you know, like, cause with Vex, you just never know, you know, like he, like, even when uh, he's with Siegfried, you know, like there's times like he, he looks like he's going to let him go. And then, you know, it's like, he always seems like even when Bo's got like that, the, uh, the Syracon pointed you know, at his throat, he still doesn't seem like he's sweating it, you know, like he right. doesn't seem concerned. He's not in the babbling, pleading for his life stage. He's like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not so sure that Bo was in as command of the situation as she thought she was, but, okay. uh, but we never really get to find out because though, again, he does, you know, leave right away. He doesn't hang around to try and mess with Dyson and everything too. So maybe Dyson scares him too. You know? Yeah. Now, um, you know, not a regular character, obviously just, uh, the surf, you know, but Luann Heidegger. And, and, and I think the interesting thing here about her, um, is that, you know, for her, her real crime was falling in love with a human, uh, thereby breaking the Fay Prime Directive, tries to cut herself off. And, and I think Bo sees some of herself in Luann, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, Luann, you know, made a choice. It wasn't the, it wasn't the choice that, uh, you know, I guess is, would be considered the, an appropriate choice, you know, because well, she chose humans rather yeah. than light or dark. Right, clearly, and that's again it goes back to the pilot when Bo says, "I choose humans," you know, as her choice. Um, so she clearly, I mean, well, what she even says that's why she's so upset by the execution. She's so upset 
at the fact that she can't save her. Uh, it's because she, you know, understands uh, Luann's uh, position and, and, and how her, as you said, how her situation is a result of her disobeying uh, the Fey rules, which Bo does on a daily basis. Right. But, and at some point Bo's going to have to realize, I mean, uh, I mean, had she, you know, I think the, the, the Ash tells her, look, if you had chosen our side, you know, I might be able to help you. But as it is, um, now the ending scene, I, I, I can't imagine a better ending scene than this one so we're in the morgue and you see the body bag on the table and you kind of know what's going to happen yeah well why would they show the body bag if if it weren't going to come back alive suddenly right but what you're not ready for is that tricks standing there and when she emerges we have to talk yeah well it's not completely surprising because he was there at the execution yeah and we're like wait why is trick at the execution like that's a little weird and um but but yeah that's uh definitely a great ending a very uh kind of cliffhangerish type of ending you know yeah so uh i mean if this was the epi- episode that they showed showcase to sell the series man it's no wonder they bought it oh yeah yeah this was just an awesome episode well i think the uh because actually i was i was reading uh, interview with Paul Amos, who the guy who plays Vex, and uh, and he said, actually, in, in the original uh, episode, Vex dies, as it was originally written. I guess maybe even originally filmed, but then they realized they had you know a really excellent character on their hands here, so they uh, you know they they brought him back. So he, again, I'm not I'm not dead yet. Yeah, <laughs> just like here, you know, Luann, you know, like I always say, I'm not I'm not dead yet. People, you know, there's always death is is. Oh, not for sure here, which actually I learned <clears throat> last week with a hermit crab. I All thought, right. I thought one of our hermit crabs had died. Uh, it, it was, gave all indication. I, I, I nudged the, the, the claws. It's not moving. It was unresponsive. So I, uh, so I dug a little hole in the backyard and, and buried it. And this is maybe like, this is maybe a month ago. And today my kids are playing out in the yard and they're like, Hey, the hermit crab's alive. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know, scooting across the lawn and they came and pulled it back in. Like, what? Oh my. So, you know, in Fay uh, and hermit crabs. All uh, right. You know, you can never, death is never for certain. All right. So, all right. Well, anything else you want to throw in there about that episode? Well, I just want to once again say how awesome the character of X is. And really, what uh, I think is. A a good bad guy is totally invaluable. Like, if you look, especially, like, at action movies, like, what separates one action movie from another? Like, if you take, like, okay, let's say, like, Die Hard, the first Die Hard is a really good action movie, right? Well, why? It's the same formula as pretty much every other action movie ever made. What's so good about it? Is it Bruce Willis? Well, yeah, Bruce Willis is pretty good, but nothing that makes him stick out. Well, wait a second. We got Alan Rickman as the bad guy, and he's awesome as a bad guy. So I think, like, you know, when you get someone like Vex, who is just, you know, first, you know, like, he's funny. He's completely amoral, apparently, has no restrictions on his behavior or anything, uh, doesn't care less. We'll sit there and watch a guy, make a guy shove his own hand into a garbage disposal and then tear his heart out, you know, 
you know, usually people like this, we we wouldn't necessarily be rooting for. I'm not saying I'm rooting for Vex. It's just I like it when he's on the screen, you know, because he's just like a great bad guy and uh, provides a, a very good uh, kind of foil for um, for Bo. Though um, the, uh, the the actor said, Paul Amos said in this interview that he believes that Vex is the evil version of Kenzie. Actually. Wow. I thought that was an interesting comment. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you, you talk about the, the, you know, having a, a good bad guy. Uh, you know, you, you know uh, Wayne and I have talked about the other showcase uh, show that we've been watching, Continuum. And there's a character in that, and, and all of you people should be watching that. Uh, but, but Kellogg, you know, where the, he, what makes him so great is you don't really know if he's good or bad. Yeah, right. You're not really it, it, sure which side he's on. Yeah, and that actually goes for almost all of Liberate. And I hope Mike isn't going to get upset with us, like encroaching on <laughs> on your other uh, on your other podcast no, no. there. But yeah, you know, I mean, like you guys talk about in that podcast, you know, it's like who are, who is who are who are who is the bad guys? Who are the bad guys? Right. Here, and and I mean, that's something that, again that, that you know it, it'd be. You, you could almost see that happening with Vex. I mean, the little bit we've seen of him, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much all bad, but I mean, he's such a captivating character. Yeah. You know? So, and, and, and honestly, who did he kill? Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, Bo's all bent because Vex killed Luann's kids. Well, yeah, but just like Luann didn't really kill them, if you really look at you know, Vex was obviously told to do this. He was the hitman. He he carried out a punishment that was uh, like an officially sanctioned punishment. So you're going to blame right? it on your girl then? On the mortgage. Well, yeah. but she, even she, I don't think there's. She's not even. I don't know if she's the 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 highest because they have like this council of elders, right? Okay. So she. I don't even know. But uh, but yeah, you know, like someone above Vex said, do this, and obviously. As far as their world goes, you're told to do something, you do it, right? Yeah. And so, you know, Bo blaming Vex, she must, she's all, it's not the same as blaming Luann, but it's the same. It's, he's not the hand that did it. He didn't decide these kids got to die. Someone else decided and said, you're the guy who's going to do it, you know? Okay. So, a little sympathy for Vex, yeah. All right. Good point. I just, I just, it's just, just a good, just a great, bad guy he's so just bad you know he's just so like just uh, you know like it's it's great you know just i, I enjoy the fact that right. that he's just like evil incarnate you know and, and perhaps we'll see him again in another episode hmm maybe soon <laughs> maybe soon so all right uh all right why don't we jump into because we didn't get to warehouse 13 last week uh so we tabled it until this week uh impressions because you, you you've seen it more recently than i i watched it about uh maybe a week ago yeah i, I watched it uh yesterday half of it yesterday half today and you know i, I liked it you know it was a very enjoyable show um you know it it's uh obviously i think more lighthearted than uh, our, our normal fare that we talk about here but uh, I, th I think they, uh, yeah, I think I really like that the relationship between uh, Pete and uh, and Micah. There, All right. Yeah. So for the for the listeners that you know maybe haven't had a chance to watch it yet, and uh, 
uh, didn't do their homework. Yeah, you know, the, the basic premise is that uh, uh, you know we, we start the show with uh, two Secret Service agents. So we've we've taken a departure from the typical FBI agents that we often see in sci-fi. We've got two Secret Service agents that are on a detail to protect the president. Uh, who's going to attend an art exhibition at a gallery in D.C. Uh, one of them's male, one of them's female. Uh, the female is, you know, by the book. She's, you know, on the fast track to that corner office with the window. Uh, she play, She goes by the book. He flies by the seat of his pants, trusts his gut, and, you know, by all indications, he's an effective agent, but, but they basically butt heads the entire time. Okay, which okay sets up an interesting dynamic. Um, things don't go well at the exhibition. There's this guy who uh, we later learn is Artie, who kind of pops in, pops out. Uh, there's a piece of art that he obviously is interested in, and it's bleeding at one point. Uh, he takes it. Uh, things don't go well. The two agents get uh, word that they are to report to South Dakota, She's horrified because this is not her career path. He's intrigued. And what we find out that Warehouse 13 is, it's uh, a receptacle to house all of these uh, strange, unexplained, odd artifacts that have been collected since, uh, I believe they said like the 1700s, right? Uh, I, th- I, th- I think he said eight. 18-something. Okay, so at a time when they really didn't... 1898 or something. Okay, at a time when they didn't know what they had or how to store them. So it's like this big, you know, I mean, think like from the outside, uh, it's like think Cheyenne Mountain, Stargate SG-1, if you've seen that after it lay dormant for 70 years or so. But inside, you remember the final scene uh, from Indiana Jones, the first movie when they're, you know, they're placing the Ark in there and it's just like, you know... Row after row, and you're right. It's like seems uh, sort of like what Warehouse 13 is. Yeah, it's bigger on the inside. Right. So that these guys, <laughs> the two agents, their job is going to be to uh, investigate strange occurrences, uh, figure out if there's uh, some sort of artifact that's causing it. If it is, retrieve it and bring it back to Warehouse 13. Right. Which is a a, a strange mixture of. I didn't know what to call it, but I guess I called it low high tech, you know, where it's stuff that does like pretty cool stuff, but it's like built with 1950s components. You well, know? the little the 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 little cart that they were riding around on, I yeah. think he said it was built by Henry Ford. No, uh, uh, Edison. They said, no. Oh, Edison, right, yeah, right. Yeah, I think he said Edison, and then Ford, right. like you know, kiboshed it or whatever. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, in, in a sense, it's, it's sort of like, you know, sanctuary for inanimate objects, although they're not really inanimate. Uh, yeah, so. well, there was a lot of stuff that I saw. Like, I mean, there's, you know, there were there was a lot of stuff that came. There was one scene that is straight out of Supernatural. I mean, they just totally torched the, I, I say torch, because when the guy immolates himself, like he takes a gas pours it all over himself and then lights the flame that that is right out of season two of supernatural they just completely just just almost shot for shot now did you like the did you like the two partners yeah yeah me, me too i i did and i think like i said like a good show is going to be 
character driven, not plot driven. And so the plot of this one was, eh, you know, is all right. Yeah, although, you know, it's that, that police procedure that, you know, we don't necessarily care for uh, quite so much. And, you know, the, the kind of who's behind it, who's really causing all the trouble type thing, then it's like, the you know, it's always the first person they meet, you know. Like, that's what I noticed about watching Castle. Like, in Castle, it's like, invariably, the first person they pull in to question, who's always like the, you know, the, the most remote uh, suspect. They're not even the suspect. They're like usually like a sister or a husband or something like that. That person always ends up to being the, the person who did it. You know, it's like every time. It's just like, what? just for once, let it not be. Like, why don't you, like, if really, like, you want to switch it up, make it like the most obvious person. Right. Now, yeah. I think for me, and I think I said before that, you know, when, when Warehouse 13 debuted in 2009, and it's currently in its fourth season, uh, you know, I, I, I watched it, and you know, at this point, I'm not even sure I watched the pilot. I think it was, but I, I didn't even make it through the first half hour because I just thought it was goofy. And you know, it it, it is, but it isn't. You know what I mean? And I think you kind of already alluded to this. It's it's not ultra serious, right? I mean, it's not Fringe. It's not X Files. Um, you know, it, it's almost more uh, Doctor Who ish. You know, in that uh, it's serious, but it's got its lighter moments. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, and especially with you know Pete, the uh, the one uh, Secret Service agent who's recruited now for to for Warehouse Thirteen. Um, you know, he's he's definitely the the funny one, right? He's he's the one who's uh, kind of he's the go like you said goes with his gut and everything. Whereas uh, Micah is the very serious, straight laced type uh, person. But you know, we see them developing the relationship very quickly, and that's why again, you know, I've said before, a good pilot. It's it's about it's all about character, right? It's all about developing your characters. And by the end of this, you really do like these two characters, and you like how they work together. And in the end, when she has you know five seconds to make a choice, which is essentially, um, I can go back to my job at the Secret Service, which is what she's wanted all along, um, or I can stay at Warehouse Thirteen. The catch being, Pete uh, can't gonna, come back. He can't. Right? He can't come back. He's got to stay. At warehouse 13 so make your choice well we know the choice she's gonna make because she's already kind of developed this relationship with uh with pete and this rapport with him that uh you know that in this just hour and a half of this pilot that uh, they've managed to pull it out pretty effectively right now now Artie, he's he's kind of the uh i, I don't know if you call him a curator uh but he's kind of been in charge working by himself and he he kind of has that personality of somebody that's been by himself for too long yeah, he doesn't doesn't necessarily know how to uh, talk to people very well, but uh, it, it's still he's uh, but that makes him right funny because he's, fun. he's got to be funny. He's fun. He's got to be funny. Um, another like the like the, the low high tech is, you know, he's got this huge warehouse, so he needs to get from one place to another. Uh, so he's got a zip line you know, that, he, right. that he takes, which was, that was hilarious. I mean, it, it's, this is a warehouse full of like gadgets and stuff that's you know like really super kind of can do some pretty crazy stuff uh but the best way he really has to quickly get from one part of the warehouse to another is a zip line which like honestly even if 
they didn't have super tech. Even if you just had normal everyday stuff like a, a people mover or something like that, you know, there's, we have the technology now that you can get from one place to another quickly. You could get a Segway, right? But they don't have any of that stuff. So, you know, this is a, uh, you know, a government funded operation, but one that's, you know, kind of, uh, running on maybe a pretty tight budget. So now there's one other character we didn't mention that, and that's Mrs. Frederick who seems right. to be in charge of everything. The, the ageless one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so she doesn't age, which, uh, okay. I'm on board with that. That's pretty cool. Uh, and, and she's just got this really stern, you know, uh, I can't see her cracking a smile for anytime soon. No, I don't. Well, you know, they probably do it in some episode. Just and it's a big shocking thing that happens and everything. But right, uh, and, and re- the real reason she's cracking a smile, <clears throat> it's probably because uh, you know some artifact is controlling her. And right. Oh yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, that would be a good plot twist. So there. you know, there there was a you know uh, a procedural, if you will. Uh, we're not going to go into that, I don't think. But no, yeah, uh, there's no need. Right. Suffice it to say, you know, there was uh, human sacrifice. Uh, you know, a ray gun. It was pretty creepy. You had the the character speaking a language that uh, he had no knowledge of previously, and and it seems like in most sci-fi supernatural shows, they're always speaking in Latin. So it was kind of cool well, that this time it was Italian. It was Italian, right, yeah, yeah. But uh, at first I thought it was Latin. That, that is, you're right, Latin can be a, a very creepy, especially like, you know, like that. You're just yeah. like, ah, you know, creepy ghost type. But they do that all the time. Like, again, I'm sorry, I bring up Supernatural about a million times, but, you know, it happens all the time. Supernatural, they have this, you know, someone is speaking in Latin, it's it's creepy. So, uh, yeah, I think so overall. I mean, you know, I, I definitely liked it. Um, you know, whether I'll watch more, uh, you know, I could see that this is one of those shows that I would probably not worry about sitting down watching it out of order. Yeah, well, and actually, I I saw that that uh, the guy who plays Vex is in an episode in season three, and so I almost went you know and watch it just or part of it just to see him in it but then i'm like you know what uh you know i'll leave the possibility that uh that someday maybe i'll uh, go and check out warehouse 13 I'm, right now i'm not feeling any strong need to go and watch the next episode it was a good show you know and everything but uh you know um, yeah, so I guess it depends on how much time you have uh, in your sci-fi world, and you know how much time you have to add another show. Yeah, I don't, I don't, with with uh, all these shows coming up, uh, I don't know if I have, I can clear the schedule for for a new show yet. Yeah, and I'll tell you, for the last uh, decade or so, I uh, I had plenty of time because I didn't have to watch much baseball, but uh, that's kind of changed for me. Yeah, so local to, teams doing well this yeah, year. Yeah, so we have well. to take a peek in there now and then. So uh, might actually right. be watching some baseball in October. That'd be all nice. Right. Well, we'll see. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So, so for next time, we're going to do a top ten. Is that correct? Yeah, but oh, there was one thing um, I, I wanted to mention about this because I noticed in the credits that uh, Jane Espenson was one of the co-writers for Warehouse Thirteen, and I'll okay. that name. Well, uh, Battlestar Galactica, exactly. Right? Battlestar Galactica and Caprica. She was actually for the first like half of Caprica. She was the showrunner uh, for Caprica, and she wrote the Shindig episode of Firefly, the one where uh, Malcolm gets in a sword fight. If you remember that one, and, you know. Uh, I also want to say that uh, she had something to do with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She did. She she was a writer for Buffy as well. She okay. won a Hugo Award for uh, one of her episodes of Buffy. So, oh wait a minute, she also worked on Torchwood. 
she did work on Torchwood. She did uh, the the last season. She's a goddess. She is. I, yeah, like I just I knew I knew that name. And I saw like I wasn't sure where, and then I saw like oh, Firefly, Torchwood, Caprica, all these. Like she's man, she's she's good. She's good. Right. Well, actually, and that I you know I did have something for news before. Um, I didn't know if you knew this or not, but I was um, I I was looking at some of the new shows that uh, are are being kicked about. And uh, Arrow piqued my interest. Have you seen this one? I did see. I mean, I saw the yeah uh, the the like the trailer for it. The, well, I didn't see the trailer, but I read. I saw the news story for it. Yeah. Well, did you see who's going to be in it? Remind me. John Barrowman. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, I was like, what? Like, oh man. So uh, you know, it, it piqued my interest at first because Green Arrow is a pretty cool uh, superhero, but the, the fact that John Barrowman's going to be, a, 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 I almost certainly am going to have to watch this show. Even though it's in its first season, it goes flies in the face of every rule I've ever established for myself. But uh, you know, I, the, these, are, these are strong, compelling reasons for me to to watch this show. All right. So, all right. So, do we we don't know yet what the top ten is going to be, or do we? No, I don't. You were okay. supposed to come up with it. Remember? Oh, I was. Uh, I didn't. But, uh, <laughs> um, well, we I, did. Uh, we, we we're talking about the uh, top ten monsters, right? We were. Oh, okay. That about a couple weeks ago. So why don't we go with that one? All right, top ten monsters. So we'll talk about that next time, and then the time the the the, ep- the episode following that, uh, we're going to take a look at the pilot episode of Grimm. Cool. Which was uh, one of Tan's suggestions, and then when I went and uh, took a peek at uh, just you know the premise of that, uh, it looks pretty cool. So uh, definitely has promise and. Uh, so we'll take a look at that. It gives that gives everybody uh, two weeks or so to take a peek at Grimm. And yeah, those of you in the back who didn't do your homework this week, okay? Yeah, I'm talking to you. All right, let's make sure, let's get it done next time. There's going to be a quiz on this one. That's right. Scantron, multiple choice. And next time we will take a look at episode nine of season one. And uh, other than that, you got anything else? No, that's it. But uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, again, this uh, was, uh, you know, th- th- we're really, I think, to reinforce that, the, I think we're really seeing Lost Girl step it up here and, and really starting to uh, find its legs, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, is. we're in the home stretch of uh, season one. So yeah, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at fatalistspodcast at gmail.com or the website fatalists.podbean.com. And uh, if you check us out on YouTube, uh, there's a link to the website there. Uh, although YouTube's probably got everything you need anyway. But uh, <laughs> until next time, it's been a blast as always. Yeah, it has been a treat, and we'll see you next time. All right.